Yeah, we're still in faith teaching. Sorry, that's what God's put on my heart over a lot of years now. And it's a pretty essential dimension to, to live and move by faith. And we've been teaching on being equipped, uh, equipped to serve, uh, equipped to be a, a part of the living body of Christ and how to be able to function in that area and specifically how to do it together. <clears throat> so that's why I've titled this Faith to Value Each Part, Yours Too. And I think a lot of the time, and I've sure gone through this in the, in the past, uh, discounting what I might have to bring or what my part would be. And I think the Lord took a pretty dim view of that. And so here I got to be a pastor. It's the last thing I ever wanted to be was a pastor. My dad was a pastor, and um, I just wanted a dad like other kids. My dad was a great guy, but he didn't do things like I wanted him to do. And so I thought, well, if any way I could avoid this, I would. And I was at a pastor's meeting one time, and Brent Rue was speaking, and he's in heaven now, and he said, listen, he said, if you can avoid being a pastor in any way you can get out of it, he said, do it. But, he said, if you can't, then do it with all your heart. Amen. And that's what he's called us to. And, you know, I love what Jake said at communion. You know, this is a community of family of God, of, of believers. And I guarantee you, we need a whole lot more pastoring in this fellowship than the three of us can do. So I just pick you. You're going to have to be part of this thing and doing it together. And that's why you have to embrace your part in being able to enter into that and to be able to own who you are because God is doing something in the body of Christ right now that's incredibly important and we can't do it without you. That's why I'm always shaking people down. What are you hearing from God? What's he speaking to you? Because I want to know. And I'm not just saying that because I really want to know. Because no one can do this on their own. And the person that thinks they can do it on their own is just wrong. So I'm going to start with the scripture that we used the last time. That, uh, the promises of the faithful one. This is out of uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds and not forsaking our own assembly together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as the day is drawing near. You know, Jesus is coming back. He really is coming back. And one of the things that has been quickened to me recently, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So faith is an essential and so we're going to talk more about that. Faith to value, faith to believe, faith to bring your part. So my goal is for each of us to recognize and value all the parts of the body, including your own. Sometimes we get to measuring other people and looking at them and what they're doing and what I'm doing, and we have to get into comparisons. No comparisons, no measuring by other people. 
It's what are you hearing from Jesus and what are you doing with what he's given to you in, in that whole process. Your part is vital to the whole body. So just a side note, if you weren't here Sunday, or, uh, then listen to Jake's teaching on Discipleship 101. I mean, he's stealing some of my material, see? Rick does that too, he, he does that. But you know, that's the good part, it's confirmation. And all of us hearing the same thing and doing the same thing and partnering together. But this teaching was just amazing. And one of the things that Rick pointed out that a disciple is an apprentice. Now that took me back a lot of years. I, I started as an apprentice when I was, I think I was 17 at the time. And I was telling the staff today, I started working at a, at a car dealership for a dollar an hour. Then by week two, they gave me a buck and a quarter. You know, thought maybe I was a keeper. And so learning to be an apprentice, and I'm, I'm still being an apprentice, be, trying to be a pastor, trying to figure that out and how to, how to work that through. And the reason is it keeps changing all the time. The king isn't doing the same thing all the time. So we have to keep stride with him and with one another. I'll just tell you a little story. This happened to me in Federal Way. We had a large prayer gathering, and uh, I had told them, listen, if I get off track a little bit, don't follow me off track. Somebody say something. And this was, we were cruising along, and, and the gal that was leading worship, she put her hand, she says, last, I think we need to go this way. I was totally missing it. She had heard and helped redirect all of us back into the path God was taking. So test everything by the word of God and the witness of the spirit. If it doesn't fit good in your spirit, you gotta wrestle through. Test it with the word of God and see if, if it bears witness then by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. That's our essential of how to be able to test what's, what's happening. Well, they hassled me a bit about this, but turn to the book of Ephesians. I mean, it's just the deal. We were sitting in staff meeting today and I have my Bible open in my lap because we little share a little bit where we're generally heading, who's ever going to teach. And Dean says, where are we going? He said, Ephesians. And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, he said, chapter four, yeah. And the reason is I so love the book of Ephesians because it has spoken so much to me. And in this preparation, that's what I had the greatest struggle with in, the, in preparing a teaching tonight. What's for you guys and just what's just for me? Now, I haven't figured that all out yet, but I know one thing, we need it together. And that's the thing that the Lord has put on my heart. The value of who you are and what you bring to the body of Christ is incredibly important. So if you're sitting here discounting yourself for whatever reason, I'm going to wreck that for you tonight, if at all possible. Because I want you to get a hold of the value. See, your value is based on Jesus Christ died for you. And he's given us his spirit. He's given us an anointing of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk in that. And you have a vital part to bring. 
Uh, so be encouraged tonight. This is, this is my goal in this. And you're going to have to wrestle through whether you're going to accept. You belong to Jesus. You've got a call. We're going to talk a little bit about the call that is on our lives. But there's also an area of functioning in that call. And that's a choice that we have to make. And I say this often, and it rattles people when I do. If you want to learn to walk by the Spirit, you have to become comfortable being uncomfortable. You don't get by any cheaper than the rest of us. So we have to wrestle through whether we're going to step into these things that he's calling us to do that are awkward and uncomfortable from time to time. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just going to get into this right off. It says, I therefore. And you know the deal. What's it there for? So I've got to back up into chapter 3 just a little bit. Paul has taken the first three chapters to explain to us the amazing gift of salvation that he's given to us and what that all looks like. But starting with verse 19 of chapter 3. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. The us is very specific there. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Verse 19 in the Amplified says that you may really practically through experience for yourself come to know the love of Christ that far surpasses mere knowledge without experience and that you become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself unto all the fullness of God. I don't understand a lot about fullness, but I know that there's a whole lot more than we even begin to comprehend. In John 1 and 16, it says, out of his fullness, we've all received even grace upon grace. One translation says grace for grace. And so the fullness of what he has intended and purpose for our life has to be done corporately. And how to be able to step into that and get beyond our own little tunnel vision and be able to see what Papa's up to in some other places as well as just here. But being able to learn together the value that he's placed on every one of us is huge. So let's go on with this. Uh, matter of fact, I, under verse 21, I've got written in my Bible years ago, that includes us today. See, this is another thing that I learned early on to explain myself into the word of God, not out of it. This stuff belongs to us. I remember Doug Shepard explaining that to me. He says, Les, you can have this. Because I grew up in, in, a, in a church where it was a lot of information and history lessons. This, these are the things that happened then. But it wasn't current to me. And part of the reason was I wasn't born again. Because going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You got to make Jesus Lord of your life. Once I did that, then all of a sudden the lights came on. Oh, my word. And then as he began to explain to me, how do we take hold of the word? This isn't in my notes. This is all for free. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were found and I did eat them. 
And they become to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. That's a cardinal scripture to me. We feed ourselves with the word, but it isn't just informational, it's revelational. When you have a revelation of that, something changes on the inside of you. Your whole perspective of the word of God changes. And that's what I believe he's calling us to. And everybody gets revelation of this. And so we begin to share it together. Jake and I ping off each other. And a number of you, I, I do this with Donna also. And we come into these places where I just saw this in the word. And sometimes it's scriptures I read over probably hundreds of times and I didn't see it. And all of a sudden you see something you didn't before. The lights come on. It's revelation that comes by the Holy Spirit of the living God. So inviting the Holy Spirit into your time with the word is an imperative. Into your prayer times it also something is being birthed right now. And something that each of us has to bring is huge. Now, start off with verse 1 here again. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Calling is an invitation. There's an invitation to receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and then there's the ability to walk in that on a continuum. There's a growing, and that's what Jake was teaching us about. It's a nonstop dimension. It, it continues. It multiplies and increases with the use of the word in, by the Spirit. And then he says, uh, with all humility, with gentleness. Boy, that humility thing has really nailed me recently. You know, the Spirit of God has ways of processing stuff that's going on, on the inside that sometimes we like to ignore. And in the middle of the night, he takes me back and reminds me of a prideful, arrogant posture that I had when I was in high school in a confrontation with another student from another school. I mean, it was just appalling. Now, I had long repented of that whole situation and asked the Lord for forgiveness. But he brought to me and showed me how that sorry thing wants to creep in from time to time. And we become critical and judgmental and show, shows us what's in our heart. Now, part of the process, and he said this to me years ago, he said, now, unless that's in your heart, let me have that, and I'll give you my grace. And I told him at the time, and I've shared this a number of times, but it just bears repeating. I said, I think, he said, I'll give you my grace. And I said, I think I need the grace first. And he said, no, he said, this is idolatrous. You need to turn loose of this thing. Then we have what I call divine exchange. He gets my rubbish and I get his grace. I get to be saved some more from that area. So that posture doesn't have an opportunity to exalt itself again. Because we have this flesh thing in us. And we've talked often about the soul and the spirit and the flesh and how the pendulum swings back and forth. Two against one will always win. And this requires an, an application of faith that something is birthed in us, of understanding dependency rather than that we've got it all figured out. I tell you what, we can be posturing religiously very easy. And we begin to demand of other people to meet our criteria 
rather than what the word of God has to say. So humility is a big deal of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Oof. But Papa's always incredibly gentle. He points these things out to you and then he ministers his love to us. That's how we experience the love of God. And his, the power of his grace is incredible. And he says, with gentleness and patience, forbearance to one another in love. The love there is the agape. It's that supernatural love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We're going to come to this word bond here in another context in just a moment or two. Then he lays this thing out very clearly. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. There's, you know, it's the same thing in, is in, in verse 1. Called and calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Now there's four alls in that verse 6. I've got every one of them circled in red. So that's all. All of us are involved in these things. His lordship is over all of us. He confirms this now in verse 7, but to each one, I've got that circled in red, each one of us I've got circled. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse 11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all, there's our all again, attain to the unity of the faith. Now, I'm going to stop there just for a moment. Sometimes, well, what's faith? You know, we could boil faith down to one word, it's trust. Do you trust what God, do you trust what he says and what he says about you? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. It's a not yet seen part that we have trouble with. Now the Amplified adds another phrase to that. Faith believes or perceives as real fact that which is not yet revealed to the senses. Our senses need to know. There's something of our flesh that wants to press into that. But if you already know and you've already got it, you don't need faith. But faith is something that we receive from the author and the finisher of faith is Jesus Christ. So those are incredibly important dimensions. So Paul encourages us to live our lives as those called of God to salvation and then being saved some more. And just ongoing continuous action of something supernatural. So if you're in Ephesians there, turn back maybe just to chapter 1 for a minute. I want to pick up a couple verses in chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. <clears throat> Paul says, and this is his prayer. Uh, I've shared this often before. I got saved praying this prayer in this section over an extended time frame. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. His calling. He's calling you, Les. 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? It's his power. So we're trying a lot of times to produce some of these things. We need to allow his power. And one of the ways he's explained that to me, he said, would you let me do for you that which you could never do for yourself? Sometimes we're trying to figure this thing out with the intellect, but the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God together teach and train us a dependency, not an independent. Here in the Northwest, we're an independent lot anyhow. And so the Lord is bringing us into a place of greater dependency on him and on one another and being able to walk together in that. Okay, I want to uh, keep your finger there in Ephesians and go to, with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for a moment. I want to just emphasize a little bit more about this calling. Uh, Jesus called his boys to follow him. He's also called us to be sons and daughters of the king of all the earth. If you've received Jesus as Lord of your life, then you have a call that you've responded to. Then the calling, how to walk that out. Chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, we're going to pick up with verse 26. For consider your calling. Take a look at your calling, brethren. There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. That's how we get in on this. I remember walking through the, the foyer in the, in the church in Federal Way with a youth pastor, and uh, I said, Billy, isn't it amazing that God lets us do this? He's given us privilege to bear his name and to bring his word. He's called us to function in some dimension of that. So if you're feeling weak, you're in good company. I feel weak a lot of the time. But we're strong in the Lord and the power of his might. His might, not my might, his might. And so weakness is your asset. It's not a detriment. And I really believe that those are the things, that's things that produce humility in our hearts. Because I, I, And one of my continual prayers is, Lord, I don't have a clue. Would you teach me? Because he said, come to me when you're overburdened and I'll give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Become joined to me. And then he says, this, learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart. and You'll find rest for your soul. The learn from him is, is key. <clears throat> but you say, I don't, I don't feel called or equipped. Good. That's a beginning point, see. <clears throat> Donna and I have watched a couple of films recently, and I'm just going to give you a little brief overload of those, of a couple of people that didn't feel and were declared not to be qualified. The first one is Itao, and it's the mock language from Papua New Guinea. And there was a couple <clears throat> dairy farmers, farmers, I, I like farmers, I'm a farm kid, from Pennsylvania, and they went to a mission group and they felt they were called, and they said, Oh no, he said, You're told you don't have any education. You know, and by the time you got educated, for sure you'd be way too old. So they went back to their church 
and it was uh, Mark and Gloria Zoot, Z-O-O-T. And <clears throat> the church said, we will support you. I got on a plane and went to Papua New Guinea and began to minister to the people. They came in there, had to learn the language, and they walked things out. It was just one supernatural thing after the other because the Spirit of God had called them and qualified them. See, Colossians says he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So they, they went, and as time frame, they started in the Old Testament. They developed material. It was just an amazing story. And that's how Itao came out. They had a revelation, and it means it is true or it is good. Then there were some surrounding tribes that came in and were observing what was happening. And this is one of the things they said. You have light in your eyes. When we look in our eyes, we see darkness. We want that light. The revelation was amazing. Long story short, they planted 20 churches in New Guinea with no formal education at all and no support from the mission group. Second one was the end of the sixth happiness. Gladys Award was a maid in Britain and she was called to China. And she went to a mission organization as well and said, oh no, you can't go be a missionary. What's wrong with you? You have no education, had no finances, etc. She saved up finances, etc. and made the trip to India with one contact with a missionary lady over there that she had heard about. And wasn't very long, then that missionary lady died. And Gladys took over and demonstrated the power of God is absolutely an incredible story. So those are two areas, again, of people who were not qualified by human standards, but they were qualified by the living God. See, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And he empowers them with the power of his spirit. And the things that lady walked through, I mean, these are just two that just really touched me big time. Sometimes these notes just need to be ignored. So anyhow, let's go back through this a little bit. They've been given... uh, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And an apostle is a messenger who is sent with a mission, to be a missionary, church planner. Paul and Barnabas, along with the 12, etc. Are there apostles today? I think there's people that have an apostolic anointing on their lives, but I don't know that they're in any comparison to the apostles that are in the word of God. And I'm a little bit low test on people that call themselves an apostle. Apostle and the anointing that's on a person's life, it's evident by what they're doing. So just test things and and be careful with that. Prophets are those that speak by the inspiration of God. Are there prophets today? Oh yeah. I've had some people speak into my life that didn't know me from anybody and spoke with definition and understanding 
was incredible. And I've also had the privilege of being able to speak in other people's lives from time to time. One of the primary ways of, of how the prophetic works is giving the word of God away and being able to minister the word into people's lives to build them up, to encourage them, and to comfort them. That's how the prophetic works. Evangelists, probably Billy Graham is probably one of the most known. I love Billy Graham. I used to watch some of these old black and white ones. Oh, man. That man can preach big time. Talk about somebody that loves Jesus. An evangelist, see, is a, a, a bringer of good news. And a missionary that brings the whole or the full gospel. And then there's pastors also. There, a pastor is a shepherd, a feeder of the flock, a protector, an overseer. And it's an incredible privilege. But like I said before, we need a whole lot more pastoring that goes on than just the three of us. People need to be shepherded. They need to be loved. They need to be cared for. And they need to be prophetically spoken to by the grace of God. And then there's a, a teacher, as an instructor, a Bible teacher with special assistance of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter what you are involved with, the Holy Spirit is not an option. He is an imperative. And absolutely understanding how you hear the Spirit of God speak to you. See, once a person has been saved and filled with the Spirit, the most important thing you can learn is how you personally hear God. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And then we begin to partner together. And this is how the body works, too. You hear a part and then I hear a part. We put that part together. You know, we talk about this often, Jake. Two are better than one. They have a good return for their laborers. And I've partnered with a number of you already. And so these are the things how we learn how to function together. Functioning is incredibly important. And it's for the equipping. This is one of the most important words. This word, equipping, it used one time in the New Testament, and it's right here. And it describes how individual parts work together. Notice this, in correct order. I'm going to run that by you one more time. It describes... See, this is what the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors do. See, they, they equip the saints, describing how each individual, how individual parts work together in correct order. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, how that works. But everyone's got a very important part. But learning how to be who God's called you to be. So, you know, Jake and I are pastors, but if I try to do Jake's job, well, we're going to have a problem. You know, student ministry? Mm, that would be hard. Jake and I did one session together with, with the students a number of years ago in that area. We were kind of pinging off each other. And we can do it that way. We can partner together. But for me to do what Jake does, I don't think so. Because I'm not called, I'm not anointed to be able to do that. And so as we simply do who you are, not just be who you are, do who you are, but you got to be first. Donna's got this phrase she uses often, we're being human beings, not human doings. As we get, you know, oversensitive and trying to how to figure out how to do stuff. Because we're in our brains. Faith doesn't come in your brains, it comes in your spirit, man or woman on the inside of you. And that's what we're looking for more than any other one thing. Quick, equipping of the saints. 
have a friend, Duke, used to call me Saint Les all the time. Well, he's Saint Duke. But a saint is just a holy one, been made holy by the blood of Christ. And that's a biblical term, and that's who you are if you belong to Jesus. For the work of undertaking ministry is, is the next phrase in there. Um, work of service. Uh, Jake said this, a disciple is a server. You know, there's a lot of people, particularly in this culture, there is so much of entitlement in this culture. It's just amazing to me. And I mean, you can just drive by anywhere in town and there's help wanted signs all over the place. Nobody wants, you know, Jeff had somebody working, came to work in, in his pizza shop a number of years ago and wasn't doing anything. And he said, well, you know, you're supposed to work here. Oh, no, she said, I just came for the paycheck. That's entitlement. See. Where is your brain? You know? But see, there's an awful lot of people think they have an entitlement. I'm sorry. You know, the work ethic isn't much. And sometimes it's in the church. By the way, this is not a recruiting teaching by any stretch to get you to do something in children's ministry, unless God's called you to that. Then get after it. But no, I want you to get an understanding of who you are in Christ Jesus and the part you have in the body of Christ and what you have to bring to someone somewhere because you have a call on your life. The call and you have an anointing from the Holy One. And John says this all out of 1 John. He said, you have an anointing of the Holy One and that you know. And you have no need that any man teach you. But as his anointing is true, as it's taught you, you abide in him. So as we abide in Jesus, then he explains, he lays these things out, and he empowers it with his power, not yours. So it's not learning procedure, it's just learning him and being able to follow in that. For the building up, that word is interesting, the action of one to promote another's growth. This is, again, how the prophetic works. Same word, building up. It's edifying, exhorting, and comforting. These are incredibly precious words. In the body, anywhere in the New Testament, you see the body listed, it's the church. That's who we are. And he goes on here, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. We just talked about that a little bit ago to the mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's the word fullness again. Fullness flows out of the unity and the flow that's in the body. I can't do it without you. And you can't do it without me. Sorry, you're stuck with me. You know, that's just part of the area. We have opportunity to function together. Then it says, as a result, we are no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. There's a lot of interesting things that are floating around also. Scheming to that, there's a religious spirit that wants to keep the power of God and the anointing of God with clergy and not with common people. And they see we're a bunch of common people. That's who we are. You know, the religious group in Jesus' time resisted him and were picking a fight or argument on a continuum. 
And I love this phrase, the common people heard him gladly. And so we just need to be common folk and just be who we are and being able to enter into that. Now, along that same line, I'm going to read uh, one verse. You can just listen to this for a minute out of 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. This is another thing that really describes what Paul talks about here. He says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. There's a lot of this rubbish out there, and you need to be discerning. And that's one of the reasons I taught the first time on being equipped with having a working knowledge of the Word of God. You test the Word of God. You test all these things. Does that sound like Jesus? Does it sound like His Word? If not, then discount it. Now, the other thing from time to time, I just have to put this caveat in that area. I've thrown some things in the trash from time to time. I had to go back and dig them out because it was the Lord. It just didn't fit my paradigm. So that's one of the reasons why we test all things. We test them together. This is what I'm hearing. Donna, does this make sense to you? What are you hearing in this? So we process these things together. Again, two are better than one, Jake. We just have to wrestle through these things. So learning how to process together by the power of the Spirit. And I just want to throw this into ask the Lord questions in this. You don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. What's up with this? He understands those kind of questions because I use them all the time. Now, God talks when he wants to. Sometimes he answers immediately. Other times I've totally forgotten. I've even asked the question and then all of a sudden somebody will say something. Oh, I remember I asked that question. That's the answer to that thing. Or I will stumble onto a scripture. You know, I'm not particularly high on flipping your Bible open, but sometimes when you flip open, pay attention to what's there. And what's happened to me, I could tell you several stories on this where I'm looking up a particular scripture. It isn't that scripture that he says, it's across the page. And all of a sudden it just jumps off to me and it's the answer to what I've been asking and been seeking for. Word of God is so incredibly important in this to test by the power of the Spirit. Okay, verse 15. <clears throat> but speaking the truth in love, key word in that area, not abrasive, gentle, tender heart in that area. Clarissa, in love, okay? Speaking the truth, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Now, speaking the truth, see, truth is a person. His name is Jesus. And so speaking him into any given situation, bring him to bear in that air. What is he saying? That is a, one of the ways to be able to, to test these things. Then I want to get down into verse 16. That's kind of want to settle for a few minutes. <clears throat> the word whole body there is the same word as all the entirety of all of us, the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. Remember the equipping was that all the parts would work in proper order? That's what we talked about. That's exactly what's being amplified here for us. The whole body, <clears throat> according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth 
of the body for the building up of itself in love. Well, the body, again, is the church, okay? It's all of us. Now, the word fitted was very interesting as well. It means hinged together efficiently and effectively to function as a part of one people of God. Now, Don and I have been married going on 62 years. We're hinged together, okay? But I've been with Jake 10 years probably plus in that dimension, we're hinged together. And I'm, I'm bringing this out very specifically because we're going to talk about ligaments here in a few minutes and ligaments hold things into alignment. And our alignment together is an imperative. And these are the things that have been assaulted within the body of Christ big time. So we're held together by that which every joint. I got that circled in red and along with highlighted. Every joint supplies. The joint, again, is also translated as a ligament. Now, this is my conjecture on this. But Paul hung around with Luke, who was a doctor. Now, I'm not sure that they got those terms. You know, the Holy Spirit gave these things to Paul to write them down. But they're medical terms. They're parts of a physical body. And he uses this in this section, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. He uses the analogy of the body. How incredibly important every part is. See, when we have one part of our body that's not working, the whole body knows it. And it affects the entire body. I'm looking at Murray. Murray and I both have some back issues from time to time. Our whole body knows it because something isn't working the way it was designed to work. Now, I'm going to digress from my notes here for a minute. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the unseemly parts. For modesty, we cover up parts of our body. That's a good thing. We, We need to do that part. Now, Adam Clark said... He said, I think some of the unseen parts could be the heart and the lungs and the stomach and the intestines. Some of the parts of our body. See, I can live without an arm. I cannot live without my heart. And we need to value some of those parts. And then I'm talking to the Lord about this. And I said, you know, this is what I'm thinking about. How could I be a heart for the body? He says, well, think about this. Could you be a heart valve? Pretty important event, isn't it, John? He knows about that area. I had a brother-in-law that's in heaven that had a heart valve replacement. So every part of our body is incredibly important. We had a sister that attended this fellowship, and there, her pancreas quit working. In about two weeks, she went to be with Jesus. I'm using that as an illustration of a part of your body that we may have discounted for whatever reason and whatever part you bring. It's vital to the entire part of the body. And he's bringing these things to us where he's poking us where we live at. And those of you that have discounted your worth and value to the body of Christ, I want to rattle your cage with that area because I'll tell you what, you have something to bring that's vital to the rest of us. 
So learning how to own who you are and bring your part is vital. Okay, back to the, the ligament. A ligament binds bone to bone, serves to hold together and keep them stable and help you move properly. I didn't have any idea. Do you know that you have 900 plus ligaments in your body? There's enough for everybody to go around. Everybody's got to be one somewhere. And holding each other into alignment is huge. It also connects bones, joints, and organs, which I didn't have any idea. Allowed joint to move in the direction that it was meant to move. Make sure joints don't twist. So Jake, I'm going to use you again. See, if Jake wants to go one direction and I want to go another area, then there's a pull in that dimension that somebody's got to change with this thing. Now we're going to go your way, Jake. Start with, check that out, see if that's okay. But I, I'm serious as I can be in that dimension, that joint, that twist. Now the ACL is the easiest damaged. It's in our knee. My son, we got him, he, he'd rode a mini bike until he was ready for something bigger with more power. So we, we got him a Honda Hunter that was modified. And we gave it to him for Christmas. First day. Now, I didn't see it happen, and he doesn't remember exactly how it happened. But part of his joint was going one direction, and one was another, and he had to have surgery on that knee. Wounds like that take a day or so to heal. And you can have a sprain or you can have a tear. Neither one's any good. So if we can prevent some of that within the body, that is an imperative so that we don't damage one another or we're headed in the wrong direction when we need a correction. And that's sometimes how the prophetic works. I don't know, Jake. We need to talk. We need to wrestle through this thing. We process together. Don and I have learned to have to do that over a lot of times, over a lot of years. We made a commitment together. We would never make any decision without we were in agreement with one another. And sometimes we had to spend some time wrestling through this area by ourselves and we come back together and say, hmm, I don't know, that doesn't, that doesn't feel good. Well, sometimes we've both been wrong because God had something else going on that we hadn't seen yet. So don't miss the wrestling through part. It's part of the deal. And it requires faith to continue to press in that for however long it takes until you come into the direction of what the Spirit of God is doing rather than what I want to do. A couple of scriptures with that just comes to mind. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Sounds like works. Nope. Verse 13 says in the Amplified, but not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work within you. Here's the phrase, creating an effective power and desire, both to will and to do for his good pleasure, not mine. This is sometimes we've got to dial down what we want in order to get in line with what he's doing and go along with somebody else. That it did. I don't want to go that way. Well, yeah. You know, my, Doug, my friend Doug Shepard, you know, he got me into more stuff and stretched me after we got saved. He sucked me into going into jail ministry. Oh, my word. That was the last thing in the world I ever wanted to do. But I learned some things there you can't learn any other way. 
And these, these are areas when you learn to give away what he's given to you, it multiplies in your hand. There's an increase of this that is just huge. Okay, the joint supplies. Okay, I love the word supply there. Um, I'm going to read a verse to you. You can look at it if you like. This is uh, Philippians 1 verse 19. For I know that this will turn out to my deliverance through your prayers and the provision or the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You know, I can't overemphasize how incredibly important the power of the Holy Spirit is. And the Spirit of God moving through all of us. That's the heart cry of the Father. You've got a part to bring because you're hearing something I'm not hearing. Now, that word supply means provision, equipment, support. It's a lavish resources of unlimited supply of the Holy Spirit. Can't work. Remember Rick say this a couple weeks ago, it can't work unless it's supernatural. Oh, man. You know I jumped on that right off. Thanks, Rick. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we need to, you know, part of that teaching was, you know, the, the picture's got to be broken before the light can shine. And so it's, it's an amazing area how we have to come into a place of brokenness from our own will and purpose and be able to embrace his will and purpose. And stuff that just doesn't make any sense. You know, that's, that's, you don't get by any cheaper than the rest of us. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm just going to give that to you. If any man be in Christ, or anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation altogether. Old things have passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Okay, we're back in chapter 4, verse 16. We're going to pull this together here. According to the proper working, determined as acceptable or unacceptable by the Lord's measure of truth. Oh, that was a very interesting definition of that. It's proper working. Works in agreement with a measure of every single part with God's energy. It's superhuman power. How that's to be able to work itself out. <clears throat> Excuse me a second. I have to check something here. Each part, it's every one. The language there is individually viewed distinctly as opposed to severally as in a group. So we move as a group, but every part's important in being able to have the proper movement in that area. And then um, we we grow and we increase in that. Um, Colossians 2, verse 19. Remember, we we were talking earlier about winds of doctrine and things that are floating around. He addresses this also in verse 18 of Colossians chapter 2. Let no one keep defrauding you from your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels and taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. A lot of fleshy stuff out there. That's how we determine some of this. 
Then it says, not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body is supplied and held together. Here's the phrase, by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. God is birthing something in us in that area so that your ligament works and it holds together joints and it keeps them from twisting or being out of order. Then it's building itself up in love. And the, the building up is that same word we used earlier. It's action of one to promote another's growth. And I think that's what's such an important area that we help each other. Sometimes we're just struggling with stuff. Sometimes that's why we're available here after every service to pray with stuff that you're struggling with, things that are out of order for whatever reason. And we walk together and we labor in it. And sometimes it's repeated. So this isn't a one-time event if you come forward to be prayed for. We just stay with it. And we wear these things out and break the power of them. Use the authority that God's given to us to be able to move in the things of the Spirit. But love is, is the key. Remember, to experience for yourself the love of Christ. Faith works by love. It's the only way it works. And so he's establishing that criteria. Receive love so that you can live off of that and more than enough to give away at the same time. Now, go with me to Acts chapter 16 here for a moment. You know, work in ministry and etc. cetera, uh, I use this phrase often, the need doesn't dictate the task, the Holy Spirit does. Because a lot of things that are good, but if the Spirit of God isn't blessing them, then we've got a problem. Because we've only got so much time, energy, and resource. And we need it to be functioning under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times these are good things, but Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So you know my little deal. Father, what are you doing? What's my part in it? How can I most quickly align with that? And I've used this often, and Jake used it here just recently. Also, how many times you suppose Jesus walked by the guy at the beautiful gate that had been there crippled for a lot of years? And I can just hear Jesus saying, just hang on. Peter and John are coming, man. Stay with me in that dimension. So the learning of how to do what is necessary, because sometimes things that sound good are not necessary. If you're in Acts 16, we're going to start with verse 6. And they passed through Phrygian and Galatian region. Notice this, having forbidden by the Holy Spirit to work, um, speak the word in Asia. Now, that doesn't make sense to my mind right now. I mean, shouldn't Asia get that? Listen to the rest of this. And we had come to Mysia. They were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing through Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a certain man of Macedonia standing and appealing 
to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when we had, he had seen the vision immediately, we, it says, sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That's headed up into Europe. Most of us have some dimension of European background. A lot of us do, at least. And so that's how we got the gospel. But it wasn't the timing of it. See, timing is as important as the event, and the direction of the Spirit of God is an imperative. And being able to hear, and this is another thing, if you feel called into a certain dimension, test it with some folks who you trust and process that and see what Papa's up to so that you expend the time and the energy and the resource under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. So, what does this look like in the real world? How does, how does this affect now? We, we talked a little bit about this whole thing, and I just would encourage you to spend some time in Ephesians 4 and process through that. The next half of the chapter is just huge in instruction. So, but this is a great place to start. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. You know, from time to time, Peter gets some bad press, but I so totally relate to Peter. And you read his letters. They are just incredible. He's so in love with Jesus. It's just amazing. And so he gives instruction here, starting with verse 7 of chapter 4, 1 Peter. The end of all things is near or at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Now, I'm a prayer pastor, have been one for a lot of years. And I have found that in, in prayer ministry, uh, you can get people to do a lot of things, but get people to pray. Uh, that's the most difficult part for whatever reason it is. And I was grumbling to the Lord about that. We were in, a, in, in another church and we had a, a, a large church and I'm thinking, hey, you know, we've got all these people. I got about 10, 12 guys that will show up at a, at a men's prayer meeting, you know. What's up with that? And the Lord said this. He said, this is not about numbers. He said, you work with who I send. Well, you about talk about shutting up a conversation in a hurry. That's what did that. And we have learned over the years that a smaller group of people in one accord is easier to gather together in prayer than trying to get a whole large group when everybody wants to go in a different direction. That's why these ligaments were, were headed in the, in the direction. That's why Lynn said to me, Les, I think we're missing it. We need to go over this way. And she was absolutely right. So learning how to be able to process in prayer, all ministry needs to have a foundation in prayer. You know, if you're not going to pray, please stay at the house. You know, you'll just make up a mess that we'll have to clean up later. He's told me that a time or two, you know. So prayer is, is huge. Then he says, above all, at the top, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. Being loving and kind and gentle with people while they're in process of figuring out what their part is is huge. Then he says, be hospitable to one another without complaint, no grumbling. Verse 10, I want to center on that for just a moment. 
as each one has received a special gift, employ it, put it to work in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. That's what the prophetic is. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, not your strength. Got to draw the strength from him so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. He says, amen, right? Smooth in the middle of the chapters. It's amen. Let it be so. And so that's, that's the whole joy of being able to process some of these things. Now, Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's a price to pay in these things. In fact, we were talking about this in, in men's group a while back. Uh, when you receive Jesus, there ought to be a warning label that comes with it. This can be dangerous to you because you're going to have to die to some things. I remember Bob Caldwell said a lot of years ago, you're no good to God until you drop dead. He says, it says that in the book somewhere. We've got to die to our own stuff. If by the spirit we're putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. Because a lot of fleshy stuff leads into this. To not deny yourself means to lose sight of oneself and one's own interests and become otherly. Now, I got a couple other scriptures up there for just your, your studying the John uh, 15, 9 to 17, and 14, 15 to 17. And that one, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. And that's really my heart cry is that we would take hold of the things that he's given to us, be able to embrace them and to walk together and learn how to help each other come into the fullness of what he made available to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you grow, enlarge our capacity to understand the immensity of what you have granted to us. To be part of the household of God, the family of God, and how to be able to step into these things and how to promote growth in another person and how to be able for them to be able to receive their portion and then to be able to partner together and to labor together in the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And you said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. We've had enough vain labor. Would you teach us just to be common folk and how to be able to walk together in love, real love, the agape love that you give to us and be able to love one another with that supernatural love, to be able to draw strength from you, instruction, and all your children be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of your children. Lord, would you give us as parents particularly the ability to pass these things on, model things, demonstrate things to our children and to pass them on and also to minister to other children. Well, we talk about this often, Lord, in, in our um, children's ministry and, and student ministry. These are ours. They're not just belong to the parents. The parents also are just stewards for a short season. I'm amazed how short that season is. But that you would give us grace, Lord, to love 
with the love that you've given to us and be able to bless and to be able to instruct and to be able to equip and be encouraged by one another's faith. Lord Jesus, would you give us grace to love each other and to be able to see what you have yet planned for this fellowship in this place. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.